Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. When putting together your gear, wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. It's barely noticeable, but if another piece of gear breaks or tears, pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network and it is Wrestlemania weekend and we have gotten through night one of the most stupendous two night Wrestlemania in history according to WWE. I'm Keela Cash and by my side per the usual is my right hand man, my co-captain and a brand new nickname, the wise man himself. Scott Young is back here per the usual chopping up all things WWE during the height of Wrestlemania season. Welcome back, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really happy to be here because I thought for a second we weren't going to make it on here. We had a lot of technical difficulties to get on here, and I take full responsibility, even though I still have no idea what happened. Yes, we have fought through the ghosts of technology to get this show to you because we know how important WrestleMania night is for all of us. And we tried hard to do it the traditional way, but we got a backup plan. And sometimes the backup plan is the best plan. We're going to give you the best review right here on the Fike Media Network. So happy WrestleMania Sunday to you all. I hope you enjoy night one. We're going to talk all about night one of WrestleMania in full. But before we get to that, this is a very special occasion. This is WrestleMania weekend. And what better way to commemorate that with another Po-op that you can download and add to your wallet and also cash it in for future prizes heading into May's Double or Nothing pay-per-view from AEW. So before we get into the show and our review, we're giving away another free Po-op. What is a pop, you may ask? I'm sure you're familiar with an NFT, or at least you've heard that acronym thrown around. This is a form of an NFT, but it's more like a digital collectible that we're giving away to our listeners. It has some utility, which we'll get to in a second. Here's how you can mint your POOP. Get yourself a digital wallet, which is free to do at metamask.io. Go into the store of whichever app you use for your mobile phone. Download the POOP app, P-O-A-P, into your ENS. ETH address or email address if you do not have a digital wallet yet. On the bottom right-hand corner, click on the Mint button. Select Secret Word and type in the secret word for this, which is the wrap recap in all lowercase letters because it's case sensitive and there are no spaces. The POAP will show up in your wallet. Note, if you mint with an email address, it is reserved until you create an Ethereum address in the future. Now, where does the utility part come in? How do you want to, why do you want to mint one? Fike Media has a few prizes attached to these po-ops and will announce three individual prizes near AEW's Double and Nothing pay-per-view. The prizes are, are the following. One, a cameo-style question and answer video from Dave Meltzer. You ask him your combat sports question and we'll send you a video of him answering it. A guest appearance or any Fike Media podcast of your choice. A WWE chair from a pay-per-view event, pay-per-view to be decided based on availability. If you have any questions whatsoever, please send an email to fikeamediapoop at gmail.com. And here's hoping you collect none on one of these lovely poops to celebrate WrestleMania weekend with one more to go during our next show tomorrow night. So with that, let's take a deep dive into 
all things WrestleMania weekend. And we kicked off the day with NXT Stand and Deliver Live from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. And I thought this was a very interesting show with a very curious ending to the show with Braun Breaker losing to Dolph Ziggler as Ziggler is still the NXT champion as we record this show. So, Scott, when you go to the end of this event on Peacock, what were your immediate first thoughts on all of this? I mean, my first immediate thought is we have something special here that we've been building to like the whole point of this was to get Braun um, a big moment, you know, a, a big audience to get his big win in front of. And he doesn't even get that. And then on top of it, the match is a bit underwhelming. It's, it might've been in the weakest match on the card. Um, so it's a little bit of a baffling decision there. I, I don't know what to make of it. It was definitely a choice. I don't know if it was a good one. And I have to say, this is probably one of Braun Breaker's weakest matches right behind the one he did at Vengeance Day against Santos against Escobar for the NXT Championship. And I just thought there were a lot of sloppiness in this match, a lot of sloppy moments here and there, not clean all the way through. And I don't know if it was a chemistry issue. I don't dare to say that at some points, Ziggler might have been sandbagging just a little bit in some cases, but it just felt off. Things got better towards the end, but the outcome was absolutely perplexing to me because I know that Vince is all about getting younger and having guys who are ready to go. And Braun definitely has the tools to be a major player on the main roster. But we have to realize he's been doing this for less than a year. And despite how great he is right now, he is going to get better. And a part of me truly believes that he might be better off for at least a few more months in NXT. But at the same time, if you really want him to learn fast and quickly, then maybe he needs to work the road circuit for WWE, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, to gain their real-life experience. He can't get behind the four walls of the PC. But on the other hand, he just might need more refinement on Tuesday nights to get him ready for that eventual push to Raw or SmackDown during the 2022 draft. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know, man. I... <laughs> I mean, Braun Breaker is as close to a slam dunk as you can get. And I, I've been saying there's no way you can mess him up. And this is the first step to doing that. It's probably not going to be a big deal in the long run, but it's just a baffling decision. Yeah, not a good one at all. And that was a very sour way to end Stand and Deliver. But let's go back to the very beginning because I thought the North American Championship ladder match was the best match of the show all five dudes showed up, showed out Carmelo Hayes, the reigning defending a champion at the time. We had such as Escobar, Grayson Waller, Solo Sequoia, and Cameron Grimes in there putting in that work. We had crazy ladder bumps, including Grayson Waller going for the alley-oop, and he misses everything, and his arm gets caught in the ladder. But apparently it's a fantastic sell job because he was in the skybox of WrestleMania, and he was posing, going Viral, I suppose. So he's great from the bump, but my God, what a bump that was that really turned up things towards the end of that matchup. This was a car wreck. This was a, this was just mayhem. A pure spot fest. I thought it went on probably 10 minutes too long. It's these type of matches aren't really for me. The just pure train wrecks with no story it's not really for me, but 
it stands out because WWE doesn't really do them a lot. So, I mean, like you said, big spots. That Grayson Waller spot was stupid. You know, I there's no reason to do that. And if you do do it, you have to land on somebody. Like, that's a crazy spot. And if he's not injured, he's incredibly lucky. Um, Carmelo Hayes looked great. Santos Escobar, I thought he was the star of the match. I thought he showed out. He had a lot of big moments, a lot of big spots. Um, Solo tried to do too much. He he got power bomb off the ladder through a ladder, and then like two seconds later, he's trying to squat two people. I like the, the logic in the match just didn't work. The layout didn't work. Um, it was good, it, but it was a complete train wreck. Yes, Electra Lopez flying on top. That was cool. Of- that was, that was cool, cool. on top of Grayson Wall. That might be the greatest thing she's done on NXT 2.0 thus far. Sanja, he was just a mess out there, being very slow and lumbering with that ladder. But I thought that the MVP was Santos Escobar doing his thing. That sunset flip to Solo Sequoia on the ladder was absolutely ridiculous. And I loved it. So there are elements of the match that were really good. And there were other things that felt simply overbooked. I felt like they were trying to do a lot from um, from TakeOver 30 with that ladder match involving Damian Priest getting coronated, but I thought that match was way more creative and laid out better than this one, which was a spot fest. And in some cases, it was for all of the wrong reasons, but Despite all of that, this is easily the best thing on the show. And that was followed by Tommaso Ciampa and Tony D'Angelo. Ciampa's last match on NXT. The fans were very receptive towards his final match. The ending was a bit much with Tony getting the win, but it was needed to get over the next guy up on 2.0. And I talked about this in my podcast for the last month or so in that I wanted a surprise appearance from Triple H. He needed to be on the show to say, despite me not being here day to day, this is still my baby. This is still my NXT. And he showed up for Ciampa in the end. And that was a great moment. And thank God that Peacock Premium pulled it back and says, oh, by the way, if you're watching the plus version of Peacock, this happened and we cut it off just in time for like five or six commercials, which irritated me to no end. But I thought that was a lovely way to send Ciampa off, presumably to our SmackDown post-WrestleMania. Yeah, it was a great moment. Um, you could tell it really meant a lot to Ciampa. Uh, him coming out, spitting the Triple H water at the beginning, Doing the uh, the knee spot where the guy you know goes for the drop down, catches him with the knee. That's a classic Triple H spot right there too. Um, so that was all cool. I would have, I really would have liked for Champa to come out to his old music. I mean, this is his send off. Let him you know come out to his old music. That'd have been cool. I know I'm asking a lot, but um, the finish I didn't like the Tony D'Angelo match. Like he finished them off with a boot to the face. You got to give him your finisher again. And then take him out. But I thought the boot to the face was kind of lame. Um, but I, the, I, the right guy went over, even though I probably would have let Champa win. I mean, Tony will be fine. He's got a great character. He can easily talk his way back into, you know, hey, I'm still Tony D. I'm one win away. But it is what it is. It was a good match. Tony D gets a, good, uh, a big win going forward. I was going to say he'd probably be next in line to challenge Braun, but since that didn't happen, I don't know what he does next. 
That's a good question. Maybe contend for the North America Championship. It's wide open now with Cameron Grimes winning the match. We forgot to mention that, but he did win at the end. It was expected to pay honor to his father, which made sense. So I do see Tony D going after Cameron Grimes at some point. But the one thing about Tony D'Angelo that I loved initially was his suplexes. And that's been toned down a lot recently. And I don't know why, because that is easily the best part of his offense. And dare I say his matches against Pete Dunne was better than this match against Ciampa yesterday. Maybe that could be part of it, too, is, you know, they started realizing that we want this guy to be a bad guy, but he's getting over like because like you said, the matches he was having, he was getting over. He was kind of gaining that respect from that crowd. They're like, oh, he is pretty good. He is holding his own. Look at him tossing Pete Dunn around. So I think that could be part of it is they want him to, you know, do more dirty things in the ring, which he is kind of doing. He's doing more eye rigs. You know, he's doing more little things where he's causing a little bit of mayhem, little sleight of hand type things. So I think I'm well, at least let me say when I say that I'm hoping that's what the plan is. And it's not just them saying, hey, let's just not do that anymore because we don't want you tossing guys around, even though it's what you're great at. Let's let's just try this different angle. So hopefully it's for the character for him being the bad guy. I would hope so, too, because if not, what a dumb decision, because he's really good right. at tossing people. That is his calling card. And if it gets over, guess what? Turn him babyface. Let him get cheered. What's wrong with that? We love a friendly, kick-ass gangster that can suplex people. Let's go with that, shall we? As we segue into the Triple Threat match for the NXT Tag Team titles involving MSK, Imperium, the reigning tag team champions, and... The Creed Brothers and a change of Perium's music. I hate it, by the way. So I guess I can't afford the good stuff anymore. I thought this is a good match, but the crowd, they don't like MSK. It carries over from Florida to Dallas. I can't stand it. And dare I say, MSK, despite being the new NXT Tag Team Champions, would be better served on Raw or SmackDown, where they'll be appreciated a bit more. Yeah, I've been saying for a while, I think MSK could be that jolt of life that, especially the SmackDown tag division, you need a team who can come in there and really kind of push the Usos and a, a nice babyface team to get behind, especially with the injury we'll talk about later on at WrestleMania. I, you know, I think, or I thought MSK would have fit that bill perfectly. They can do literally anything in the ring. They can have good matches with anybody. Um, so I'm kind of shocked they won this match. You know, I, I really thought the Creed brothers were going to go over or Imperium was going to retain because I was expecting Gunther to go after the title soon. Like I had this whole thing laid out for the next six months of what I thought was going to happen and everything I thought they did the complete opposite. So I don't know what the plan is with the tag division unless they wanted the Creed brothers to win it in a one-on-one match later on. I'm kind of baffled by this decision too. Really good match. Um, I think Imperium and MSK would have had a better one-on-one match, but it kind of makes the Dusty Cup null and void. Like the winners on both Dusty Cups, neither of them came through. So it made them not important. Didn't matter. The Dusty Cup meant nothing this year. And it's so sad that you win and you don't get your titles. And it might be an angle with the Creed Brothers. There, there is a tag team on NXT that we don't know about targeting them on the side. So that might be a side feed for them to get to the titles eventually. But let's talk about the Cannonball by Brutus fucking Creed. That was Beautiful. a highlight. Beautiful. 
to be that big, to do that and to land it perfectly was everything to me. Yeah, I uh, I didn't see that coming. I thought he was just going to do a big boy splash, but that dude did a cannonball and it was graceful. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'd like to see that guy do a cannonball in the pool and see how big of a splash he can make because that was a <laughs> real good technique, good form. He got good air. He's got good size. I think he can make a hell of a splash. Yes, the tuck was everything and the landing was perfection. So that was a highlight as well. And congrats to MSK. And we still say they deserve a main roster promotion very, very soon. As we get to the NXT Women's Championship involving Mandy Rose, the champ versus Io Shirai versus Kaylee Ray versus Cora Jade. And this match over delivered in a lot of ways, especially for Cora Jade, who I thought had her best in-ring performance today. Was everything perfect? No, that top rope senton was a regret, but that Canadian destroyer to Kaylee Ray was outstanding. And I thought most of her stuff besides the Seton looked pretty clean. And that is a potential we've been wanting to see from her ever since horror game. She did one great spot off the top through the, through the table, but we needed to see what she can do in the ring with four other people. And she held her own. And I hope they slow roll this championship push for Corey Jade, because she does have potential to be a star. She's young. She's fresh. She's a hybrid of Lita and AJ Lee, but allow her the time to grow and she'll be better and better for it in due time. Yeah, I'm over Cora. I uh, I need her just to uh, skate away and find a skater boy to fire, to fall in love with, because um, it ain't working for me. I, uh, I she was fine in the match. I thought Mandy looked good. This will be a nice little talking point for her. Io Shirai is fantastic. Kaylee Ray has great personality. Um, and you you said it right. This match completely over delivered. I was expecting this to just be a train wreck, to not be very good, but. It was it was very very good. So um, yeah, well not very very good. It, let me let me not over exaggerate. It was good, and and I'm saying very good because I was expecting it to be very very bad. Um, but no, it was good. Manny looked good. I I don't know. I don't know what the plan is going forward. Like you want Cora to beat her in a one on one match, but she couldn't beat her in a fatal four way match. But Manny Rose has beat all these legends one-on-one. It's Cora's not ready. She's not ready for the spot, but they don't have any other women that they're building up for it unless they're going to just put the strap on the key to Lions and just let social media carry her. I mean, because that's, <laughs> that's essentially what she is. Every time she wrestles, she turns into a thirst trap. So you're just going to put the belt on one thirst trap to another. Um, you know, I, I, who knows what they're going to do. After 9 p.m., all bets are off. <laughs> Absolutely. When the horny hours are in effect and it should be noted that Mandy Rose has a new Crayola women's championship belt that is sprinkled like the colors of NXT 2.0. And I would like to go on record in saying I hate it. I've never seen it. You didn't see the new belt. Nah, I, I, I must have completely overlooked that. Oh my I'm about goodness. to look it up right now, though. Yeah, it's a white strap and there are like splashes of color all over the front of it. Like the NXT oh, colors. More attention. Yeah, I looked at it. I thought, oh, my God, this is a graphic. Oh, no, that's the belt. Fuck. Oh, my God. What are we doing? <laughs> Let me see what we got here. Manny do, Rose retains. Yeah, Manny Rose retains and unveils new NXT. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, I like the white strap. Yeah. But 
You know, I like the white strap looks good. Dang, I need to really pay attention. Yeah, the white strap looks good, but nothing else does. I don't know about the purple. It's not bad, actually. It's not bad. That's um, not bad. Mm, no. Now we're overbranding now. So all the championships is going to be Technicolor from here on out. No, no, yes. I hope not. I hope they that's don't the do them future. to all of them. Yes, that's the future. Technicolor, NXT, Nickelodeon colors for days. Get the worst part is those colors fit perfectly for Dolph Ziggler. <sighs> Unfortunately. Those are his colors. You know, now he's NXT for real. And that's just <laughs> a sad... Now listen, I was on the Dolph bandwagon as a guy that was revitalized on this show. But after the finish of this match with Bond Breaker, I'm off the bandwagon. He can go back to Monday Night Raw and be irrelevant for the next five years alongside The Miz. <sighs> I... I, I would have been cool with him staying after he lost, but what are we doing? What's the plan? What what bigger stage are you going to get for Braun? Because you're not going to put the title on him on, on Raw. Or, or, he's not going to have an impromptu match on WrestleMania Night 2. So what are we doing? What's the plan here? It doesn't make any sense. Unless Gunther is just going to one-chop him and put his foot on him and keep it moving. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One would only hope. And speaking of Gunther, he faces off against LA Knight in the semi-main event. And this match was good as well. This was unlike any Gunther match ever because we hardly got any chops. And that was very unusual. I guess Vince saw what he did to Duke Hudson a couple of weeks ago. He says, oh, no, this is not fit for our TV. But let Gunther be Gunther. He made it work, though. LA Knight surprisingly picked this dude up for suplexes and power slams. I was really in awe of the strength of LA Knight to pick up Gunther time and time again. The match was like a WWE match, which is not a bad thing, but not necessarily a good thing either because it really takes away what makes Gunther special in the ring by not doing WWE like things like he did here on TakeOver or TakeOver adjacent stand and deliver. Yeah, uh, Gunther was fantastic. He looks great. Um, he he looks like he'll maul you, man. Um, I said it. I think the only people right now that can put Roman Reigns as a true baby face, I know people are cheering him now, but as a true baby face, make him a real good guy. People really want to get behind and the Usos too. I mean, you bring Gunther and Imperium up. That's a, that's a nice heel faction. And, uh, you know, Roman's got to lose the title at some point. And there's few options who are believable, who could legit win the belt. And you'd be like, yeah, I, I believe he could be Roman. I believe he could take Roman. 
Gunther's got that. Gunther has that believability. And, you know, I know people be like, well, what about in 2019 when Drew McIntyre made him the first one eliminated from Survivor Series? Screw that. That was Walter. And that's why they changed his name. This is a fresh start, a fresh coat of NXT 2.0 paint they have put on Walter and turned him in the Gunther, the gunner. And he is going to gun down everybody in his path. That's at least well, that's what hope. I'm thinking they're going there. <laughs> at least that's what I'm thinking they're going for. Yes. Gunther okay. the gunner. <laughs> when you said gunner, I thought about the great Malcolm Bivens and his Cameron tribute. I forgot to mention that during the introduction for the Creed Brothers, that was clean and hilarious at the same time. Hey, Malcolm Bivens is the, well, he's hands down the cleanest manager in the game, but hey, that boy, you can't tell him nothing. He stay on some other type of stuff. I love Malcolm Bivens. And quick spoiler alert, when he tweeted out that he saw Cody and he told him where the entrance was. <laughs> It's great. It's That's great. great. Between that and saying that the Steiner brothers are going to bark like a DMX track, I'm like, Malcolm Bivens this week has been tremendous in all categories on Twitter and on TV. And he that, the, the Cody thing, was a chef's kiss. And we would be remiss not to mention the pre-show match involving Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, brand new best friends, once again facing off against Gigi Dolan and Jesse Jane from Toxic Attraction for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. And Raquel and Dakota Kai cannot escape this damn show. They are now two-time women's tag team champions. And as of right now, as we record, they're still the champions. So this is their longest reign together. Good for them. And Wendy Chu provides the assist in the end. And I'm wondering to myself, Wendy, you got beat up by Gigi and JC and your tag team partner dumps you for her old tag team partner. And you're happy about this. Why? Yeah, I, I, I've given up thinking about what they're doing as far as some of these storylines. Like they wanted the feel good move of Raquel and uh, Dakota, but Wendy Chu is just happy to provide a pillow for everyone to sleep on after they party for winning the titles. Like it doesn't make sense. What, like, because if I'm Wendy Chu, you know, I'm thinking. So is that title being held for me because I'm your partner, you know? And and now all of a sudden you jumping in her arms and y'all the tag champs. What about me? Where do I fit in and all this? We just went all the way to the very end of the Dusty Cup. And now you left me and got a title shot for doing nothing. I mean, what is going on with 2.0? I've been praising them for so long. And then like some of this stuff is just baffling. It's so true. And we look at WrestleMania from tonight and it's like two completely different productions. I would expect this kind of booking nonsense on the main main show and nxt is normally the better book show despite the switch up to 2.0 this entire set and deliver was a hot ass mess in terms of booking and despite the hard work from everybody involved the crowd the crowd mgf was very mid for most of the show with a few exceptions and just decision making of outcomes of matches was not smart to me and it just feels like a really strange reset as are you trying to make this a main roster show and less about developmental to boost ratings? Dolph Ziggler is going to be the guy to bring eyeballs to 2.0. I don't know. 
Is Braun Breaker ready for this moment? I don't know. It's just a lot of curious things that happened via this show that I honestly thought I would expect from WrestleMania, which gave us everything we wanted and so much more. Yeah, it's um, disappointing because NXT 2.0 has been actually been one of the better shows all year. Well, since 2.0 debuted and they really found their footing, it's been a really good show and they've had good coherent stories these last few weeks and especially today. They just made some baffling decisions and some of the payoffs just weren't very good. So, you know, they're going to have to really go back to the like they, they needed to reboot. And when they come back next, uh, yeah, this coming week, they need a solid show, man. They need to have a clear direction for all these titles and these top names like Grayson Waller needs a path. Carmelo Hayes needs a path. Braun Breaker, if he's not going to Raw, then they're just complete idiots if he's not going to Raw Monday night. Um, like LA Knight, he needs a path. Gunther and Imperium, they need a path. All these people need somewhere to go. And they need to show me that they have a path for them, or I I can't believe in their booking because they've been doing so well. But this is just I have no idea what's going on, man. These decisions don't make sense and there's no clear path. No, and I had a bold prediction saying the show be better by June, and they have undone a lot of goodwill over the last couple of weeks. Very perplexing booking that I do not get. And as you mentioned, they need to reset Tuesday badly to kind of reset the table as to what the hell went down Saturday, fix it for Tuesday, and make sure this show is good to go beyond set and deliver. Because I hate to say it, this show was not it. This might have been the worst takeover adjacent show I've ever seen. And we've seen all of them. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. With that, let's talk about happier things, such as night one of WrestleMania going down live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. And I thought this was a really good show. My soul was fed. It was satisfied. It was a WrestleMania that felt like WrestleMania for the first time in at least three years. And this was probably, outside of a couple of matches, the best produced, thought-out WrestleMania since WrestleMania 31 in Santa Clara, California, nearly eight years ago now. Yeah, this was grand scale. You could tell they really went all out. You know, they got the large audience back. Um, The production, the stage looked fantastic. The entrances were great. The fireworks. I mean, they say everything is bigger in Texas. It looked bigger in Texas. I mean, everything was fantastic. When they're very WWE, there's nobody better when it comes to doing things big grand and just making these bold statements you know with their uh with their entrances and everything so nobody does it better as annoying as they were and they got old really quick they also made some really good video packages that nobody needed to see after every single match all those should have been played on the pre-show but I mean, all those are great, too. Everything about this, from like you said, the production and uh, the visual standpoint was phenomenal. Yes. If they want some awards, you petition WrestleMania 38 night one as your 
petition for award season, Emmy Awards, directing, cinematography, especially for a couple of interests in particular. But I love the set. I feel like this was a slap in the face to the New York, New Jersey set. I got a video wall three years ago. This is the upgraded video wall with better graphics and better staging. I thought the set was really sleek and it was simple, but at the same time grand in that it felt big time. And for the first time in a very long time, this WrestleMania felt real. It felt like it meant something. And then when the last time they were in Dallas, it felt very hollow. All they cared about was the attendance number. And it was a very fluff filling show. This show felt big despite the soft opening, which we'll get to now. But I thought overall, in terms of production and the grandiose aspects of the show, this was a tremendous production by WWE. Yeah, you uh, like you said, you're not going to find anything better. And I also think they wanted to make sure that any other shows that went on this weekend you know, they wanted to make sure that they're to show that there are levels to this and we are, are and we always will be levels above, especially during our weekend. This is absolutely a absolutely. This was a statement. It was a good statement for a change by WWE as we kick things off with the Usos versus with Shisuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs for the SmackDown tag team titles. And this match was so disappointing, not because of the action, but it really peaked when Pat McAfee hopped over the announce table and grooved to Nakamura and Boogs. That was the peak of this match because unfortunately Rick Boogs tore his quad last night trying to pick up both Usos on his shoulders at the exact same time. A feat of strength gone wrong. And ironically enough, he was selling a knee injury a few weeks ago on SmackDown and the knee he was selling gave out on him last night. And Nakamura was basically out there in a two-on-one situation, got laid out with the 1D for the Usos' victory to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Titles E finish of the match had to be changed due to Rick Books' injury, which was really unfortunate. And I know that there were high expectations for Books in particular to have a really standout performance on this show. It wasn't meant to be. And this was a very depressing way to kick off night one of WrestleMania. And this was a SmackDown match toned down to about a two. Oops, sorry, I am you. No, this match was, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I was actually looking forward to it because I was expecting Boogs to do some type of crazy strong spot, which he obviously tried to do and got hurt, which is a shame, man. We, we've seen a lot of injuries um, these last few weeks, and they've really thrown plans off, and I would have liked to see the finish. I actually thought the finish they did on the fly was pretty good, especially with the two-on-one. I thought Shinsuke looked really good. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying the Usos using the 3D or the 1D as their finisher. I I really like that as just another one to add to the frog splash that they have. Um, so a good, nice win for the Usos, but I'm you know hopefully Rick Boogs heals up quickly. Hopefully Shinsuke doesn't get lost, you know, in the shuffle. Maybe we can get a nice, serious singles push out of it. I'd love to build him up and have a nice match with Roman. I think that'd be a good matchup. Let's just not let him fall to the wayside. I don't want to see him on main event. No, I would hope not. I just hope that he's able to really stand out as a single star moving forward. And I think somebody kind of put that out there. 
It was not intended for an injury to take place, but this is a chance for Nakamura to really be a difference maker in the single scene once again. But what a depressing way to kick off WrestleMania with Rick Booz's injury. May he recover as quickly as possible. As we segue into Happy Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. And this was everything I thought it would be. It was fine. It was a SmackDown match. I thought that Happy Corbin did fine. Drew McIntyre tried to liven the crowd up to the very best of his ability, but you can only do so much with a paper-thin feud that nobody really cares about. And Matt Cat Moss is on the brink of a babyface turn as the jokes are no longer landing, and he's agitating Happy Corbin a bit more. But ultimately, this match would be known for the thing that has never happened in over seven years regarding the career of Baron Corbin and his finisher, The End of Days. And Scott, I think you spoke this into existence when we threw it back to NXT Rival back in 2015 as he was over as a lone wolf. And the most protected finisher in his arsenal was End of Days until last night. Oh, boy. So... We didn't get a deep six. At least I don't remember if we did. I, maybe we did, and I just and I'm just forgetting it because I'm so upset about what happened. Corbin, you know, has been very vocal when he does interviews, talking about how he's protective of this. You know, he's got this finisher that nobody's kicked out of. It's been protected. Guys roll out of the ring. Um, guys put their foot on the ropes. There's so many things you can do to protect this man's finisher. I mean, I literally just gave two things they easily could have done, you know, or have Corbin just start acting cocky. Let him hit the end of days and just start playing to the crowd like it's over. Nobody kicks out of this. You could play that. You could have been playing that up the last month. That's a knockout blow. You know, you have him face somebody like, I don't know, you could have him face Cesaro, I don't know, whoever they have. Cesaro's not there anymore, but whoever. And just have it be a quick knockout blow. Bam, he hits it. They're out cold. You build that up for a while. So when he hits it on Drew and Drew's just laying there, he could be playing to the crowd. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. Drew does a kip up. The crowd's going nuts. He's doing the 3-2-1 behind Baron Corbin. He turns around, gets kicked in the face. The crowd is ready to explode. The finisher's protected. Nobody kicks out of it. You still get Drew McIntyre over for being able to take the finisher and you get a big moment at the end. How hard was that? That took me 15 seconds. That's off the top of the dome. These guys decided to waste five years on a meaningless throwaway match at WrestleMania against Drew McIntyre. I'm baffled. The the beginning of WrestleMania had me very worried. You know, the, the first match, it's nobody's fault, but things happen. And then we have this, and I thought the match was fine. The crowd was actually into it more than I thought. But then you just do something stupid, man. That's that's something you build to. That's a moment you build to. You don't. You haven't been talking about the end of the days. And then they talked about it on commentary like it's a big deal. Who knows it's a big deal? Who knows that? Nobody knows that because you're not talking about that. That should have been talked about all year. When he's on this big winning streak. Oh, Happy Corbin's undefeated and nobody is ever kicked out of in the days. I mean, that that should have been the talking point whenever he mentions his, you know, hey, when I hit this, it's over. Who's kicked out of it? Nobody. That should be his main thing. You know, when I hit it, it's over. But 
nobody's talking about that. And now it's it's over. It doesn't matter. Now it's just a move. And we, we come to find out that this WrestleMania is all about killing finishers. So <laughs> this would not be the first time we see a finisher get destroyed. But it's just it's just disappointing that they wasted what could have been a really cool moment for a young up and coming babyface to kick out of in the days after you build it up. Like I think about somebody I think about like Finn Balor. You know, let's say Finn Balor go and, and Drew McIntyre going after it. You know, they were talking about it and Finn Balor gets hit within the days he's going for the US title. He kicks out. The crowd would explode if you build that story up, especially for a Finn Balor. I know I said a young up and coming baby face. Then do a Braun Breaker. There you go. Let Braun Breaker come out be the first guy to kick out of it. What a big thing for a rookie to do. You you gotta build to that, man. It just it felt like a waste. It did. No title was on the line for it to count, and it has happened at a WrestleMania that was second on the card for the evening. Definitely a choice, not a good one. And I'm glad the McIntyre got the win. I'm glad the WWE wasn't cute trying to extend this feud. But knowing WWE, there is WrestleMania backlash. And regardless, you got to go 50-50 at some point. But I knew the moment you talk this up, that Drew McIntyre would be the first man to ever kick out of End of Days. And I just wish it was for a championship. And it counted for something beyond the second match of night one of WrestleMania. And WWE protected this finisher for a very long time. And for it to go the way it did was not the best decision. It was a way to pop the crowd to say, oh, my God, Drew McIntyre kicked out of end of days. A lot of people made a kerfuffle about it on social media. But you want that to count for something to get over an up and coming star or to do it for a championship match when it counts most. When Roman Reigns never kicks out of end of days, that's telling. Drew McIntyre does and it's not for a championship. It's more telling in the worst possible way disappointing yes it is but yeah i know that wrestlemania at this point despite our effusive praise of the show it was off to a rocky star we're not gonna lie but surprisingly enough this show turned around for the better when it was the mysterios versus the miz and logan paul and the mysterios their entrance was everything they popped up from the stage like it was 2002 dominic wearing Eddie's old gear for the 2022s. Ray's looking good too. And I've got to say, The Miz and Logan Paul looked real clean. Logan Paul wearing a fucking Pikachu collectible on his neck was ridiculous. And he looked great, I have to say. And I have to go on the record in stating that Logan Paul is a damn good heel and a surprisingly good wrestler. And he showed up and showed out on WrestleMania. And I think the fans begrudgingly respect him for it. And dare I say, WWE needs to lock this man down to a contract because he could be one of your best heels in the entire company because he just has something about him that is detestable for all of the right reasons. And he can go in the ring. His selling could use some work. But otherwise, he was a revelation out there. And I was surprisingly impressed at this dude going out there and delivering a pretty good performance and absolutely positively overshadowing and outshining Scott's favorite wrestler, The Miz, and rightfully so. So a couple of things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) First off, I, uh, I would just like to point out that The Miz, just want to throw this out there. 
Um, the Miz has been a part of two of the best celebrity matches of all time. I just want to let that sink in for everybody. <laughs> just, just, just let that sink in for a minute. The Miz has been a part of two of the best celebrity matches of all time. Um, he gets a lot of flack for his quote unquote, his words, safe style that he wrestles, uh, his, his infamous words when he cut that promo on Daniel Bryan. But because of that, it allows him to work with a lot of these guys. Um, and I think it's better. I think it benefits them. Um, the match was good. You know, you, like you said, the entrances were great. I actually thought Dominic Mysterio did pretty good as far as he looked more comfortable and natural in front of that large crowd. He was revving them up. He's still got some work to do. Uh, he's not quite ready to be a pillar. Let me be careful saying that before I get a booyaka. We already had technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, man, Logan Paul was, was great. He was fantastic. His gear was great. Him and the Miz looked good. Um, I, again, <laughs> the theme of the first half of this show, the ending, the Miz turns on Logan Paul and gets the biggest babyface pop of the night because people hate Logan Paul. And, you know, the WWE has the Floyd Mayweather thing going on where they just they want to make the boxer the, the good guy, but the crowd hates the boxer and they want to cheer the wrestler. So now we're going to turn the Miz babyface when we just tried that and it didn't work. The only logical conclusion, well, not logical, but the only conclusion I'm thinking is Maybe we get long-term builds, either SummerSlam or WrestleMania in L.A. Is it the Paul brothers teaming up, taking on Miz and a partner? Or do we get Jake Paul teaming up with the Miz, taking on Logan Paul and a wrestler of his choosing? Um, some type of match like that in next year's WrestleMania. Because I agree with you. I hope that uh, Logan... Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get their names confused. So if I say the wrong name, I'm sorry. It's the Paul brothers. But... He was good, man. He looked very natural in there. He's already a natural heel. Um, so, yeah, I would not be opposed to him wrestling more coming back at SummerSlam because obviously they have a feud planned. You have to think his brother's going to come in when he sees how much fun and probably how much money he got paid, see that grand crowd booing the hell out of him. They love that type of stuff. I, I think this is leading to a tag match. It's just whether it's going to be the Paul brothers or one Paul and the Miz versus another Paul and the partner they're choosing. Definitely a possibility. And when Logan fucking Paul pops his, pops his hips better than Edge doing Three Amigos in honor of Eddie Guerrero, does a better frog splash than some people in WWE, it is very telling. And he's a fast study, a quick learner. And Logan Paul deserves a contract with WWE and I don't like the dude, but I do respect somebody that goes in there and puts on a show and he did and got proper heel heat because of it. You might hate this guy, but he was a hundred percent committed and WWE must be tone deaf as hell to think that the Miz is going to get booed over Logan Paul. No way, no how, because Logan Paul will forever be the villain. We begrudgingly respect him because he has a great respect for this business in terms of what he did last night and what he will do in the future. But I am not here for the Miz being the good guy by default. So you can just miss me with all of that. Dang, I, I'm with you. I, you know, like you said, 
the the Paul brothers did his thing. People are gonna people are gonna knock it just because it's a Paul brother. I don't like the guy either. I can't wait for him to get knocked out in a real boxing match. <laughs> one of these things that he sets up. I'm just I'm waiting on the day it happens. But as far as wrestling goes, bring it back. <laughs> Let's do this and get run this back. Yes, give me Logan Paul versus Bad Bunny, L.A. 2023. That's not bad. You know what? The Miz would be like, I know somebody who can wrestle. You know, if the Paul brothers team up on the Miz, I know somebody who can come in and help me. And he goes and gets bad bunny. That wouldn't be bad, actually. You know what? That would be pretty badass. The Miz respecting bad bunny, picking him as his tag team partner. And then the Miz for the third year in the row will have a great celebrity match at WrestleMania. He really is a kingmaker. I got to give the devil his due, despite my indifference towards him most of the time that's too good a long-term booking there's no way wwe is able to do that and have miz face bad money lose the bad bunny then team up with the paul brother gets to respect the bad bunny after the paul brother turns on him and brings his real brother into it (laughs) and then we get miz and bad bunny who had beef but now become friends after fighting each other it's pretty much the uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. Same story, except with the, you know, with the Miz. <laughs> the Miz wanting in. <laughs> just, just thinking of the Miz and the Blackpool Combat Club in the same sentence is just a bit of an oxymoron. I had to catch myself because the Miz controlling any kind of fucking fight club is unbelievable to me. <laughs> now, if he ran the celebrity fight club, I will tell you this. I guess Miz is doing a better job running Raw Underground than Shane McMahon. But OK, that is really a three year plan that makes perfect sense. And WWE would be plotting our idea. Listen to us. This is a winner. The Miz recruiting Bat Bunny for next year's WrestleMania to play into three years of Mania and to get the Paul brothers on the show, get their asses beat. And The Miz, for one glorious night, would be the most over guy in the building. That is a true WrestleMania moment and unexpected, unplanned, long-term booking. Hey, we, we know they listen to us because they clearly heard me talk about Corbin and, his, <laughs> and nobody kicking out of his finisher. So hopefully they listen to this one, too. Yes. So I'm still trying to recover that the Miz would run at the Blackpool Combat Club. Like, no. In what world? With those soft ass kicks, where would that happen? Oh, no. <laughs> that took me out. <laughs> All right. I, I, I'd love to see the reaction of Regal be like, wait a minute, you're trying out? You want to be part of the club? <laughs> Come on, dude. Get out of here. First of all, who left the damn door open for you to walk through? Right. Right. Who gave you the secret password to even come through the door, to even knock on the door? How dare you? Regal would slap the shit out of him and say, get out, sunshine, in that order. Oh, my goodness. So that was our WrestleMania moment. Thanks a lot, Scott, for that visual. I needed that to recover from our technical difficulties earlier in this show. But. Crazily enough, The Miz and Logan Paul and Mysterios helped turn the show around. And we got to my favorite thing on this show, besides a couple of things. But the best match, in my opinion, was Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championships. Let's get to the entrances, shall we? Becky Lynch got a Marvel Studios introduction. 
Holy shit. That was so sleek, so clever. She came through in a vehicle. She looked good. But the Marvel touches of that introduction was a chef's kiss. Then Bianca Belair comes out to a marching band, a drum line from Texas Southern University, and they played her entrance. And she comes out there as the drum major looking dressed for the gods. WWE put their foot into both of these entrances and it just set the tone for the best thing on the show up until the next match. I'm going to be honest with you, man. This right here was a phenomenal match. Bianca's two for two in her main events. She is two for two. Um, the energy before the match even started, when they're just looking at each other. Like, when you know you have something special brewing when the bell rings and the crowd just reacts and they just start cheering. I mean, it would. You felt the intensity, the moment, the you know the gravitas. You felt it all once that bell rung. All some, all the BS, all the nonsense they went through to get to the moment, to the match. None of all of that went out the window because the match felt big. The match felt important. The crowd really elevated this as far as taking it to that next level. And the entrances, man, that's black excellence at its finest when it comes to Bianca Belair. Just coming out to the marching band, and I mean that's that's something you see during uh, homecoming. That's that's that is yes. homecoming to a T right there. So, um, and anybody who's been to like a HBCU or anything like that, you already know how they get down. Um, so that I I I thought that was fantastic. And Becky Lynch, she's embracing this villain role. She's really now becoming a bad guy. So this is fun to see. The match was. Like I said, fantastic. You you can't ask for much more out of Bianca Belair. She is literally bucking every trend that you normally see out of women in WWE. She's a black woman who has main evented back-to-back WrestleManias uh, and won the championship at that. Not only in championship matches, but has won back-to-back titles uh, in multiple years. She's 30-plus, and there was a time when if you hit 30 as a woman – your career was winding down. She looks like she's doing nothing but climbing the ranks. And let's keep it 100. She's knocked off two horsewomen in two years. Charlotte Flair's got to be next year. You let her knock off three. Let her knock off all the horsewomen at WrestleMania, and that's her story. I mean, there's no better or bigger story you could tell right now than for her to just knock off the four horsewomen and establish herself as the best of them all. And that's how you do it long term. Absolutely. And the callback to SummerSlam was fantastic. And they teased it. The transitions, the crowd getting on their feet was everything. The match wasn't always smooth, but I love the fact that it was a struggle. Like Bianca Belair fighting from underneath the entire time and Becky Lynch grabbing the hair repeatedly. And Becky was laying in some boots, some shots to Bianca's face. That was gnarly. But I love the physicality because there's a desperation to have Becky work. She's desperate to keep this title by any means necessary. And Bianca Belair is a scrappy fighter and the fans going off for everything. And the finish of this match and Scott when this crowd sensed that the tide was turning for Bianca Belair when they got on their fucking feet 
in unison for that finisher. Oh my God. It was so good. You, those are the moments. Those are the replays. Those are the video packages right there. Those are the highlights. Those are the reels that you play, man. And like you said, watching tonight was nothing, at least to me, it came off as nothing but real and genuine reactions. Nothing seemed piped in to me. Um, but like you said, when she picked Becky Lynch up and the crowd was already on their feet, but then you see them almost rise to another, like they're levitating. It's, it was a beautiful thing to see because they were with them. They were ready for them. They were fully behind the baby face trying to get her revenge on the heel and they popped huge for it. They continued to pop after the match. I mean, Bianca, you you have another opportunity, WWE, to establish Bianca Belair as the girl, the woman in WWE. Do not screw this up again and do something stupid at SummerSlam. There's no reason that you can have her run through the entire women's division. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a dominant woman that's not charlotte flair there's nothing wrong with that not at all and now as i mentioned months ago it opens the door now rhea ripley versus bianca belair a full-blown feud is possible you got oscar coming back if she chooses to be a part of monday night raw bailey is another matchup it's concerning because bailey will probably be over as a baby face but we'll see how they handle her return you got alexa bliss who i think that bianca belair has really good chemistry with and they can pull together a pretty damn good match do drop you can kind of reset it for like six months from now i don't want to see it immediately but you got options and we got nxt call-ups potentially as well Io Shirai could get the call up at long last we'll see but it opens the door for more possibilities and Becky Lynch can kind of go through this whole villain narrative for well over a year now get back to who she is just in time for a match presumably against Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 39 in LA next year and she can have her fun doing whatever but this is Bianca Belair's moment and for 26 seconds to mean so much SummerSlam they had to double down via this match at WrestleMania for WWE for WWE to have the patience to wait and to bank on this moment and thank the Lord above Becky Lynch figured out what she needed to do to be a heel, to not be the cool kid in class. She needed to be the villain in the story. And she locked in when it counted most because she knew if I'm dropping this title, it's got to be at the right place, the right time. And I've got to be the character these people can't stand. She's too damn likable and cool, but she did what she needed to do to get Bianca set up for this run as the Raw Women's Champion. To be three out of four horsewomen in a year is remarkable. Charlotte is next on that list between now and next year. But for Becky to realize, I've got to do my part now to be the heel, to be the bad guy, to be booed rightfully, to get Bianca over, that meant everything to make this title switch count last night at WrestleMania. This is the beginning. Uh, well, we've already seen the beginning, but this is the continuation of the full meltdown breakdown of Becky Lynch. I think we're going to see her come. It's going to be very similar to what we saw with Seth Rollins. He's going to, she's going to completely break down, lose her mind. And, something's going to happen and the fans it's going to be the fans that are going to get her back on track and she's going to return to being the man. And I really think she's going to get a huge ovation whenever she decides to, 
you know, wake up and be like, yeah, I know who I am again. I think it's going to be a great moment because that's what it seems like they're building to. Yeah. And I can't wait. And I just thought this was just outstanding from both ladies and the fans were there for the very end, which was the chef's kiss of all, because that was a great finish to a great WrestleMania match. And it's a rarity when you go back to back in amazing WrestleMania moments, because for weeks, at least a month and a half, we've been talking about this presumed debut for so long. It's Seth Rollins versus an opponent of Vince McMahon's choosing. And the word on the street was always going to be Seth versus Cody. We talked about this on The Wrap constantly saying that my dream opponent for Seth Rollins at WrestleMania should be Cody Rhodes. It tells the story itself. Cody was AEW's biggest cheerleader for so long. And and Seth Rollins was WWE's greatest defender when AEW launched back in 2019. And when Seth was in that ring and his craziest gear yet, which was clean, by the way, he waits for his opponent and the crowd is just on the edge of their seats. They're waiting for this moment and the lights go out. And when that pyro goes off, you know, Cody got three point five million dollars of pyro reserved for him. And when those lights come on and you hear there's only one warrior family, he keeps his beat. He comes out there from his pedestal, he comes up like a boss. He makes that walk down the ring and he is at home. It felt like he hopped from one portal to the next as the same Cody Rhodes with a presentation that eclipses double or nothing. It was a standard moment for him. It was a statement. This eclipses that. The presentation of the American Nightmare in WWE, the CGI, his gear, his entrance, it was five stars from the jump and the crowd chanting for Cody, him soaking it in and the performance he gave. And it wasn't perfect because, you know, there were some nerves and kinks here and there. But for the performance, it was a love letter to his dad, to his past, his present and future in WWE. And I thought that from a presentation standpoint, once again, WWE killed it. Cody Rhodes has fulfilled what he said in his promo. And I bring this up every time I talk about Cody Rhodes going to WWE and why he has gone from undesirable to unfreaking deniable. And there's no way you can deny what Cody Rhodes is after that reaction. He's a top guy. He's a top guy in any company he goes to. And that's proven tonight. Not everybody's getting that level of a reaction. And let's let's not forget that this is following the we just raved about Bianca and Becky Lynch and talked about how engaged the crowd was and how up they were for the probably the last 10 minutes of the match. That's not an easy thing for a debut and to have that magnitude of a pop following that magnitude of a match. It's very easy for a crowd to be like, oh, that's cool, nice applause. They went crazy for him. His entrance was everything. I might have been more excited that it was Cody Rhodes. Like, this is Cody Rhodes. This isn't WWE Cody Rhodes. This is Cody Rhodes. And I think this should kind of let, you know, hopefully be a sign of things to come. Uh, My good friend, J.D. Oliva, Fight Game Zone, you know, he says it best. He, he puts it on Twitter all the time. Wrestling is better when there's movement. Wrestling is better 
when guys are going to different places, it keeps things fresh. It keeps things interesting. And Cody coming back is a breath of fresh air. I mean, the match felt completely different than anything else on the card. Unless, you know, Seth Rollins is top notch. Cody in AEW is a really good, you know, is a good worker, but he's, he's nowhere near going to be one of the top guys. You know, he'll have a great, he'll have a great match every now and then, but he's not going to be one of the top guys like a Kenny Omega or any of those guys. But he comes to WWE, brings that move set over there. That Cody cutter mm-hmm. was incredible. Mm-hmm. You ain't seeing nothing like that on WWE. Like nobody's doing that in WWE right now. That double moonsault or double jump Cody Cutter was beautiful. I mean, (laughs) he is going to kill the game here in WWE. And the best part and the best aspect that he's going to bring is his talking ability. And he hasn't even done that yet. When he cuts that babyface promo against whatever heel comes out, he's going to destroy them. He is going to obliterate them. He is one of the top five, top three, maybe talkers in the company off top without even hearing how he's going to present himself. He's one of the top three in the, in the company. Um, when he was at his best at AEW, he was arguably the best baby face in the game. When he was really that heart and soul, he was the best baby face in the game. We're going to see if he can bring that over, but that's what I'm most excited about is him in that and being able to talk an audience into a match because that's something WWE doesn't have a lot of. They have guys, but not a lot of guys as good as Cody. No, I loved this match. Cody Rhodes gave us five seconds of stardust. He says, listen, I can do it, but you ain't getting it. You got a little taste of stardust. That was a great he, spot. he don't come here no more. He don't go here anymore. Stardust is dead. I love that. And then the three crossroads. And then he popped out. And then he tributed his father. That was so cool. And the fans ate it up. And Seth was a great villain during this matchup storytelling. It was like a love letter that he was meaning to write for six years to get back to WWE. And it was all in this match. Was it perfect all the way through? No. I think nerves played a role and some unfamiliarity between Rollins and Cody after all of these years. But once they got going and they went blow for blow, strike for strike, move for move, teasing pedigrees, it got so damn good. And that Cody cutter was Pishkaress perfection. The fans ate everything up. Cody's return to WWE could not have gone better than this. This is how you return. This is how you get your WrestleMania moment and then some. And to have it happen in back-to-back matches is a rarity. And my God, WWE did it production-wise and match layout as well. I do want to say my, my critique about this match, man, Cody Rhodes has both of his finishers kicked out of in his first match. The either the Cody cutter finishes the match or he never hits the crossroads until the end when he hits the three in a row. That's the only way this works because I'm, I actually liked him hitting the crossroads, holding on hitting. I like that. Cause then it's like, especially after hitting the Cody cutter and be like, okay, that's not going to be enough. Let me give you this times three. I like that. But you don't have him kick out of it the first time. 
guys, I mean, WWE, why are we not letting guys roll out the ring? Hit it right by the ropes. Protect these guys. Finishers. Protect the finishers, man. You have somebody kick out of his finishers 20 minutes into his debut. He ain't even been there a full night. The rope is right there for a rope break. It's right there. You can use four. There's four of them to use on the bottom. They're right there. You can put his foot under the rope. He ain't even got to touch it. Protect the finishes, man. You got to protect the finishes. You're not going to get a better a better picture-perfect finish than that Cody Cutter. That would have been the perfect spot to end the match, I think. Um, you could have did all that other stuff beforehand. He could have hit the three crossroads, hit the Dusty, the bionic elbow, and then ran the ropes and finished them with the Cody Cutter. I mean, there's no problem with just letting Cody beat Rollins like that. He was losing anyway. He looked strong up until that point. I just think you got to protect finishes. Yeah, I agree. But it's WrestleMania and finishes be damned on this night. Ask True Happy that. Corbin about finishes going horribly, horribly wrong for him. Five years down the drain <laughs> just for a second match on the show. It was so unfortunate. Eight minute match. Yes, an eight minute match, second on the show. And that is what he gets. But you know what? Despite that, Corbin sacrificed so Cody could thrive. And I take comfort in that. He did what he needed to do. And now it is time for our semi-main event featuring Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And I've said all I needed to say about this feud. I don't care. It has not been good. I know Ronda might feel some kind of way about this match not closing the show. Let me tell you something. If you delivered more on the mic and you show more passion via these attacks backstage and in the ring and at ringside, maybe it would be worthy of the main event. But considering how the show ended, no, you deserve the spot you was in, and maybe you can make up for it a WrestleMania backlash. And this was classic WrestleMania backlash build via the booking layout and finish of this match. And it was fine, I suppose. And I'm really proud of this WrestleMania crowd. They were on their best behavior. They did not take a dump on this match. They weren't rude. They weren't disrespectful. And WWE didn't pipe in fake noise. They were there. They were respectful. But to me, it really didn't have any heat because of Ronda Rousey just dragging this down via her promos and her not really wanting to be a babyface. But that's what you're here to do. Be the babyface. Embrace that shit until next year when you inevitably, fa- when you inevitably face Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 39 in L.A. Yeah, I, I'm probably in the minority, but I actually I'm glad Charlotte won. I I think this could be the best thing for Ronda Rousey's character going forward is what do you do now? You know, what do you do when you lose? Because last time you lost, you just picked up your ball and went home. What are you going to do this time? You know, what's what's going to be the reaction? It's interesting. You know, we we both have kind of touched on and, and in, on past shows. And, you know, we talked about the plan for next year. It's got to be to build to Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. Neither of them win their matches. They both seem like, you know, it's a it's this shocking and devastating loss. Ronda wins the Rumble. Big return. Loses to Charlotte Flair after talking all that smack about I can tap you out any different way. What do you do now? You have a very interesting and good opportunity to tell a different story, Ronda. You can go one of two ways. You can have Ronda just come out, drop the smiling, 
and just walk to the ring, snap an arm, walk to the back. That could be, that's something right there because that's people like, God damn. I mean, she walks to the ring, walks right. And it's it. And if you really want to get creative, I would have Ronda Rousey lead diamond mine. You want to do something different. You want to change things up a little bit. You don't want Ronda Rousey to talk. Let Malcolm Bivens talk for Ronda Rousey. Let that little man talk for her. So when somebody tries to come up on him, he stands behind her and she looks him in the face. She's still Ronda Rousey at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? She's still legit and she'll snap your arm for real if you jump stupid. I, I mean, there are things you can do. There are avenues you can take this, but I don't think it's her as a baby face. I really like the idea of her with Diamond Mine. I think her with the Creed brothers standing behind her. Oh, my God. I mean, that's that's a beautiful sight. And I would keep Ivy, too. I, why drop her? I mean, Ivy and Ronda Rousey as your two women with the Creed brothers standing behind him and Malcolm Bivens talking smack. That's a beautiful sight to me. That is a fight club I can get behind, unlike Miz's fight club on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's already a level up. <laughs> it really is. And it's just what you said is that I think Ronda Rousey needs to be a heel. And I have never been happier to see Ronda Rousey lose to Charlotte Flair last night. Like, Charlotte Flair winning made me incredibly happy. Like, thank God, because we were in our Twitter spaces the other day predicting WrestleMania. I'm like, do I really want Ronda Rousey to be smacked down with his champion cutting dry-ass promos that have no heat of heart to it? No. I would prefer Charlotte Flair to do what she needs to do. But what she needs to do for me is to stop tributing her man Andrade with that moonsault. Girl, stop. No, no, no. Stop. It never looks good. And the only time it looks good is when Naomi gets the knees up to block it. Now, I will say, that spear she hit on Ronda, because the camera angle was perfect for it because it was focused on Ronda and she's talking to the crowd as she turns. She looked like she's about to go to the quarter and Charlotte speared the hell out of her. Hey, Charlotte was fantastic in this match. I, and I must say it every chance I get, Charlotte is a fantastic wrestler. She is one of the best wrestlers in the world. She gets a lot of flack because of how she's pushed and whether she's over pushed or not. That's a whole different subject. She is a fantastic wrestler. She more than made, got her paychecks worth for this. I mean, this was, she did her thing. She was great. Yes, she earned the check. Ronda Rousey was fine, but Charlotte Flair carried. It was not Survivor Series 2018 when they both carried, and you can feel the emotion. The emotion was vacant here. If Charlotte is able to feed off of Ronda and vice versa, the intensity would be, would be picked up a bit. Maybe it will happen heading into WrestleMania Backlash if Ronda develops a mean streak and she's able to be angry and pissed off that she got screwed over and now she lost in her last two WrestleMania matches. That must count for something. That must lead to a breaking point at some point for her, like a Becky Lynch last night. You go through these losses. How do you respond? And she needs to and she needs to respond by being as pissed off as possible and to make people care about this rematch, which will happen next month for the follow-up to WrestleMania, which should be good if the intensity level is equal across the board. Like the moves were great, but I did not feel that emotional heft to really carry things over the top. And I know they're not, and I'm, this is me giving them too much credit, but 
it would be a really cool story if Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey go the complete opposite directions coming off big losses at WrestleMania on the way to their matchup. You know, Becky Lynch, you know, instead of blaming the fans this time, she embraces them. It's like, you know what? I need to get back to them and takes that route. Well, Ronda Rousey is like, you know what? I need to stop embracing y'all and go back to being who I was back to that killer in UFC. And she takes the evil route. That could be really cool storytelling with them on parallel paths, just on opposite sides of the coin. But again, we're talking WWE and that's not something they do, you know, telling those long-term coherent parallel stories unless you're Roman Reigns. So I think that would be a really cool story that you could tell with them just taking opposite paths coming off these big losses, but me being too optimistic. Yes, you have way too much faith in WWE, but hey, <laughs> that's a good thing. Maybe they'll listen to us, like they listen to you regarding Happy Corbin. You know, oh. They listen to you. <laughs> I'm not gonna let it, it go. It hurts every time. I know. It hurts every time. I know. It's that darkness. Hello, friend. Hello, darkness. Hi. How you doing? Happy Corbin's finisher is no more. I'm so sorry. It's no longer being protected by WWE. Roman Reigns can't kick out, but Drew McIntyre can. But we're going to leave that alone as we head into our main event of the evening, which is the Kevin Owens show starring Kevin Owens and his special guest, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Kevin Owens talked shit to start it off. He talked about Steve one more time. The fans booed and jeered KO. And then that glass breaks. And for a month, we've been waiting for it. The glass breaking Stone Cold coming out. And we got a halfway Stone Cold entrance. He worked both sides of the stage. And then he says, listen, you know what? I'm 57 years old. The knees ain't what they used to be. I'm going to get down there and my ATV, I'm going to roll down there. He sped down that ramp in record time, cut those corners, got in the ring and sat there and listened to Kevin Owens talk shit. And KO revealed that I'm not here for a talk show. No, 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 no. I lied to you, Steve. I want you in a match. A no-holds-barred match. And Stone Cold is game for this. He posed a crowd to say, if you want to see me beat this piece of shit, give me a hell yeah. And they give him that hell yeah. And he says, get me. He wanted to say a goddamn referee. I'll say it. He wanted a goddamn referee. He gets his referee. And we get a full-blown no-holds-barred match involving Stone Cold Steve Austin's final match in Texas against Kevin Owens. And this match over-fucking-delivered Stone Cold taking bumps in 2022, taking suplexes on the floor, him giving suplexes to KO on the floor, on the main stage, drinking a shitload of beer, the fans going crazy, KO living his main event fantasy. This is why he re-signed with WWE for moments like this, a moment he thought he would never get in his lifetime, and he gets it at the end of this show. And it's not a brawl. It's not a fight. It's a fucking match, but it's smoke and mirrors, but it's a match. And Stone Cold is taking bumps. He's giving it to KO. And the end of the match was great when he grabs a steel chair. Kevin Owens ricochets off his own head with the chair and Stone Cold hits a stunner on KO for the win. After Owens hit 
Stone Cold with a stunner moments prior. And after that, we get a big old beer bash and we got beers going everywhere. Byron Saxon takes a great stunner after he got set up by Steve. What an idiot. His brother's in there as well to celebrate. The fans are living it up. And this was the picture-perfect WrestleMania ending. And a part of me wonders why this wasn't built as a match, but that's what you have these WrestleMania, WrestleMania moments for, that you build anticipation for the what-ifs because it was always tease, a match, a brawl, a fight, and you get the match, and it's not bullshit. You actually have Stone Cold dishing out an ass-whooping convincingly in 2022. And I live in a timeline where Sting and Stone Cold are whooping ass, and they look damn good doing it. Stone Cold didn't break a sweat during this match. No huffing and puffing. He wasn't tired. He kept the shirt on. That's okay. But he delivered, over-delivered, and gave these fans something to go home about to say, damn, I witnessed Stone Cold's last match at WrestleMania, and it was actually a match, which was shocking to me in the best possible way. When uh, Vince McMahon called Kevin Owens into his office for contract renegotiations, as soon as Kevin Owens walked in, Stone Cold was sitting there. And, uh, you know, Kevin Owens was like, what's going on? And Vince just handed him the contract and said, sign here. That's WrestleMania. <laughs> Bam, bada, boom. I mean, you, th- you think Kevin Owens signed for the money? You think this guy signed for the money? This- Vince told this man, do you know what WrestleMania is this year? Do you know where? Do you know who I'm getting to wrestle at WrestleMania? This contract right here has got your name on it, and it's got Stone Cold's name on it. You sign right here. You got the main event in WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin in a match. This, as as someone who was not watching wrestling during the height of Stone Cold, and as someone who missed out on you know some of the glory years as, of, as far as having the biggest names. I didn't get to see a Stone Cold match, you know, live and in person, you know, live during the moment, during, you know, when it was happening. So for me to experience this live in the moment was incredibly special. Like it, this was in the crowd more than elevated. This, can, I want to take a minute and talk about how this crowd was fantastic all night. They were great all night. They didn't even dump on the Ronda Rousey Charlotte match, and I just knew they were going to turn on that as the at that time it would have been the main event match. Um, but but the Stone Cold match. I mean, his first bump was a freaking. Uh, he got thrown into the barricade. Then he got thrown into the. The, uh, the ring post. Then he takes a suplex on the floor. I mean, you know what? I think he looked good enough to come out and confront Roman Reigns at the end of tomorrow night. <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I mean, God dang, you took a suplex on the floor. Then you started handing out suplexes on the floor. You're walking up and down the ramp. You're drinking beer in the middle of your matches. I mean, this was awesome. And the crowd was with it the whole time. Kevin Owens, he earned that paycheck. He was selling his tail off for Stone Cold. Stone Cold hit that short arm clothesline, and Kevin Owens sold it like Shawn Michaels fighting, uh, facing Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam. It was crazy. I mean, just if you didn't like this match, if you didn't enjoy 
this from the moment Kevin Owens started talking or not even that from the moment he held the mic to his mouth with that smug grin as the crowd booed until the end when he when Stone Cold was celebrating with his brother. If you didn't enjoy that, I don't know what you're looking for in wrestling. I, I have no idea what you're looking for. You know, even if it's not how you would have pictured it, how you would have done it, how you would have advertised it. If you didn't get lost in that moment, I, I don't know. I don't know what you want. I have no idea what someone could give you in wrestling. I mean, people on my timeline, people in the fight game media, like who don't, who don't like WWE and probably didn't even watch the whole show tuned in to see Stone Cold. Tuned in to see what was going on and look, and they seemed like they were enjoying themselves. Like, this was a moment. This night one was just full of great moments, and the last half of this card was fantastic. I mean, from pretty much from the Logan Paul Miz Mysterio's match on, everything was good to incredible. And the Stone Cold match is not the best match of the weekend. But there's absolutely nothing as far as in-ring work that's going to touch that moment and that magic that they created. Nothing's going to touch that. No, I mean, that was the perfect way to end WrestleMania night one. And I know on paper that this card was not particularly exciting for a lot of people. I agree. I looked at the card on Saturday morning. I'm like, okay. It's looking okay. Night two looks much better. And I think night two is going to be absolutely ridiculous tonight as well in terms of the strength of card. But night one over delivered from the Logan Paul match all the way to the main event. Ron and Charlotte was was what it was. But Cody, Seth, Bianca, Becky, KO show with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That is how you do a back nine for a WrestleMania. And in hindsight, it was probably better to build that way. And that's rare to build off of moment after moment after moment. And it all over delivers. And the presentation is everything. This is WWE at its best when you're in that bag and like you're just cooking and it's everything works. And the front part, wasn't the best. I'll say it right now. It was very soft, but to me, it needed to be soft in order for that back nine, starting with Logan Paul onward, to really deliver the best WrestleMania I've seen since WrestleMania 31 seven years ago. Yeah, it was, I mean, this is really good, man. I And I was really concerned after the first couple matches, um, just some of the decisions they were making. And I had a bad taste in my mouth leaving, you know, NXT stand and deliver. So the way they finished this off, man, with I I think Bianca and Becky was I I think I'm with you. I think that was the best match of the night. Um, Cody Seth is a close second. I think those Either one of those or both could be five-star matches, in my opinion. And the Stone Cold Kevin Owens thing, man, I I just can't tell you how awesome that moment was. Again, just for somebody who didn't get to live – not live through it, but didn't get to experience it live, you know, just because I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. That was a special moment that I never thought I would get. Like, I, I've been able to experience The Rock like three, four times, Mick Foley, three, four times, Mark Henry, Booker T, all these, uh, Jerry the King Lawler, all these legends, but never Stone Cold. This this was really special, man. And 
and I could be in the minority about this. I could be the only person who feels like this, but this is special for me to be able to see a stone cold match close out WrestleMania in Texas. Just special moment, man. This is a great night. Great night. And I'm glad you got to experience that. And that is a way to wrap up night one of WrestleMania. And night two, as I talk, the strength of card looks a whole lot better than night one. And I think night two could be special if WWE remains consistent with the booking and they don't overthink it. And thankfully, outside of a few things, they didn't overthink night one. If they don't overthink night two and they can win it back tonight, this could be a great weekend for WWE, but still Monday Night Raw to come with the fallout. And we know Cody's going to be out there cutting a promo, which we'll get to sometime next week. But if they repeat what they did tonight and just maintain the consistent booking and not do anything crazy, this would be back-to-back WrestleManias that just click on every level. Will everything be perfect? No. But you got potential with Knoxville, Zayn, McAfee, Theory, Edge, AJ Styles, the Triple Threat Tag Team match involving RK-Bro, Street Profits, Alpha Academy, and obviously the main event, the unification title match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. That will not be booed out of the building. That will not happen because based on crowds, this, by today's standards, was the most respectful WrestleMania crowd I've seen in quite some time. I'm going to tell you, if this crowd shows up tomorrow night and we get the match caliber that I genuinely think we could get, I mean, you laid it out. The AJ Styles edge match is going to be great. Brock um, Brock and uh, Roman, the triple threat tag, I think that could potentially be the match of the night. Like the Johnny Knoxville, uh, Sami Zayn stunt fest, whatever that's going to be. Pat McAfee, Austin Theory, and I fully expect Vince to get involved. Like, Whew, it's Bobby Lashley Omos. That's going to be a sleeper because I love, you know, I love the big sweaty men bumping meat. So I'm all <laughs> for that. Um, you know, I don't know about this black on black crime, though. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Vince with that. The reparations, man. Reparations. Um, I, I, I'm with you. This is it's going to be an excellent card. If WrestleMania nights one and two are hit out the park. I, I mean, I don't know what more you can ask for, man. WWE every now and then they get it right. Yes, if they complete the mission tonight, what a weekend it would be for them and to run it back in Dallas back to back and pretty much supplant WrestleMania 32 from my memory would be the best possible thing. So, Scott, what is your final grade for night one of WrestleMania 38? On a scale of one to ten, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a seven point five. That is fair. I'm going to give it a eight. I like the back end so much. The front, you know, we ask things beyond our control. Happy Corbin loses because his finisher no longer means anything. I'm sorry. One more time. But from Logan Paul on without, you know, the little confuffle involving Charlotte and Ronda at the end of their match. Besides that, this was one of the best back to back sequences of a WrestleMania I've ever seen. And the Stone Cold finisher, we got a match. We got a match. It wasn't a brawl. It wasn't a fight. We got an honest to God match. It was hardcore in nature. Yes, smoke and mirrors were apparent, but we got a match that counts in the record books. And that was everything to me. You know, I, I will, I will bump it to an eight because I was 100% taking off a full point and a half for Corbin 
having the end of days, <laughs> having it be the end of days for Corbin's finisher to not be kicked out of. So I will be fair. I, I an eight. I will go with an eight as well. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. You know, actually, you know what? I'm sticking with my 7.5 because they said <laughs> screw the finishes. So I'm going to say screw your 0.5 too. So I'm sticking with my 7.5 until they can start figuring out the finishes. All right. I will accept that final grade. I'll give it the eight. It's a solid B. Really good WrestleMania with night two to come. And we'll be back tomorrow covering everything WrestleMania night two. It promises to be a very good show if Vince is still sane by then. He can get crazy around this time. I remember last year's night too was kind of rocky and shaky, but I think this card that's laid out before us has the potential to be a damn good night of professional wrestling from WWE once again. And for them to really say, hey, y'all come through with y'all events on our show, on our weekend, we are the main, main show. And I think it's time for WWE to remind people of that because you know what? WrestleMania has been, yeah. but remind them we are the mothership for a reason. You come here, patronize us for a reason. And when we, and when you produce shows like this, that builds faith in us to say, maybe just maybe if you do it consistently, you can be the worldwide leader on a regular basis. Yeah, I I mean, this is uh, I it's felt like the last half of this show felt like a takeover, you know, and I mean that in the best possible way, whereas they all hit none of them missed. Like even even the Charlotte Flair Ronda thing for me worked because Charlotte won. And it, it it's intriguing to know what's Ronda going to do now, you know, and so, yeah, I, I good job, man. Let's let's do it again. Night two. Yes, let's do it again tomorrow. So we'll be back covering night two of WrestleMania sometime tomorrow right here on the Fight Game Media Network. So Scott, thank you so much for joining me and surviving all the technical difficulties to do this night one recap. Yeah, hopefully tomorrow works a little bit better. Um, see, hopefully, uh, I, I, I genuinely think Rey Mysterio booyakut my computer again because I was praising the Miz and I was clapping my tail off. So I'll make sure to uh, send Dominic a postcard. <laughs> he got you back after all of this time. And you say he's not a pillar. He says, I'm a pillar, sir. And because of that, I messed up your technology. Oopsie. <laughs> and it's with that. just me. It could be you. And if it is, we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll talk about it tomorrow right here on the Fight Game Media Network for Scott and myself. Enjoy WrestleMania Night 2. And with that, that's a wrap on WrestleMania Night 1.